Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. Can't believe we are heading into week nine. Harley, what about you? It's week nine already? Jeez. Yeah, I, um, are you sure about that? I mean, did, did I forget to set my clock forward or something? Unfortunately, we did set the clocks forward. I have an idea about that. And yes, it is week nine. And I'll be honest with you, I'm shocked that we ever got to week nine. Yes, I, I think a lot of people were. And I don't know. It seems like we still might have some issues with teams. Yes. Uh, every, every team seems to have at least one player right now who's tested positive for COVID. Uh, based on uh, most recent news uh, coming out, it sounds like all of the Green Bay Packers running back room is currently under quarantine because of A.J. Dillon coming down with COVID. Yeah, it's... They're, look, they're not, we're not out of the woods yet. Who knows what's going to happen the rest of the season, but I will tell you that getting through eight weeks... To me, is a plus because I didn't think we'd be able to get a half a season in. So, with that said, and turning the clocks back, right? Fall back. That's how I remember it. Fall back, spring forward. Yep. I have, I, you know what? It's election time now, right? I should run for office. And you know what my, my um, platform should be? To have daylight savings time in the fall move to Sunday night, Monday morning. So that you get an extra hour of sleep before you have to go to work on Monday. And in the spring, we put that on Friday night. So that you, when you lose the extra hour of sleep, it's on the weekend. It's not going to hurt you too much. Well, it's too bad they can't figure out a way to lose that extra hour Friday, say, around 3.30 in the afternoon. So, <laughs> true story. <laughs> I had a, um, had a girl that worked for me once. Um, I shouldn't say girl. She was probably in her 30s or 40s, and she was a parent. So I had a lady that worked for me once, and she had a really bad um, time of getting to work on time. She was late all the time. Mm-hmm. So the way that the policies worked, if you started work at 8 o'clock and you clocked in at 8.09, you got paid for 8 o'clock. But if mm-hmm. you clocked in at 8.10... To 8.15, you got paid for 8.15. So she'd always try and show up at 8.09 and say she wasn't late because she got paid for 8 o'clock. I'm like, no, late is late, but we're just paying you for it, right? You know, that sounds just like me back in college. Uh, For our non-studio classes, if we showed up within 15 minutes of the start of the class, we weren't marked tardy. We could also leave up to 15 minutes early from the class. So... Usually you'd find us if we weren't doing a uh, studio class that particular day, if we're in, say, a general education class, we would leave 15 minutes early, show up 15 minutes late, run across the street and have breakfast at a place called the Poodle Club, have a couple beers. And, you know, that was kind of our intermittent stages. Now, obviously, in studio time, uh, they really were tough on us. We, We couldn't show up 15 minutes late. We had to be there at least five minutes early for each of our shifts. So, well, wait a minute. I'm not done yet. She, she's somebody, she really thought outside the box. So she said, since I can clock in at 8.09 and it really counts as 8 o'clock, 
what I want to do is I want to be able to come in by 9.09 and have that count as my lunch break. And that way I still can be late without being late. And then I can leave at my normal time. Hmm. I said, it doesn't work that way. Then she says, this is what I want to do. I said, no, I'm sorry. So then what happens is in the meeting, because we were having a meeting about her tardiness, right? I said, mm-hmm. look, I've got a, I have an appointment I have to go to. Here's where we stand on this. I'm not going to act on anything right now because I feel, I feel that emotions are high. And this conversation was happening with her and somebody else who wanted to call a meeting because they thought I was being unfair, enforcing policies. So I said, when I come back, we'll have a discussion, right? When I come back, okay. when I come back, she, she drops that on me. That's when she dropped, she, she dropped the, I want to use my lunch break when I come back. The, the early part of that meeting was all about, well, we're supposed to have nine minutes, so we're not really late, blah, blah, blah. Comes back, she like, okay, this is what I thought. I want to do this, and I want you to promote me to that open position that you have, and then we'll be good. what you're doing i did inside i was good right (laughs) and i looked at her and i said unfortunately you seem to not be comprehending where we are so now you're going to force my hand i'm going to tell you what we're going to do you're going to continue to show up on time which means eight o'clock and if you're late you'll get written up and if you get written up following what protocol is you'll lose your job unfortunately so you can do that or if you want, you can leave now. If you want to give notice and leave now, you can leave now. That's up to you. I'll even let you work out the two weeks. If you want to give notice today, you're not happy with it. I'll let you work out two weeks. I won't fire you. And she looks at me and says, this is BS. I'm not doing you any favors. I'm out of here. I'm like, okay, see ya. I would call that a favor. Yeah, exactly. It was. Her <laughs> leaving was the favor. But she was so de- just delusional about me being like wrong for expecting her to be on time. It's, it's very interesting. And again, I, you don't want to make a judgment call about a particular um, segment of our population, be it age or whatnot. Uh, But obviously I, I, I feel like that wouldn't have happened growing up for me at least. No, it wouldn't have. So the other thing that she had going against her, her ride was only about 20 minutes. My ride, when I first started working for the company, was an hour and a half for almost two months. And ask me how many times I was late. Well, at that point, you should have uh, introduced her to the vocalistic stylings of the Bengals. And why would that Played be? a little Manic Monday for her. Yeah, Played a little Manic Monday for her. Yeah. So... Suffice it to say, I'm not sure where this conversation's going or how it's going or whatever, but I'll tell you, what I do know we should do is, I guess we should just throw it over to Mr. Harley Schultz for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. When the Indianapolis Star pressed coach Frank Reich following their game Sunday about Jonathan Taylor's lack of usage, Reich replied, that he had a bit of an ankle issue. Yes, Frank, the ankle issue is that you have put a low jack on his ankle that goes off whenever your offensive coordinator suggests that you put him into the game. (laughs) The Tennessee Titans have acquired Desmond King, 
from the Los Angeles Chargers earlier today. At this early point, we can neither confirm nor deny if King has purchased Graceland for his in-season residence. <laughs> George Kittle may be done for the season after an examination today revealed a fracture in his foot. Early reports have Jordan Reed possibly returning in week nine to replace Kittle. Upon hearing the news of his imminent return, Jordan Reed promptly tore 12 muscles while approaching the podium for comment. <laughs> Giving hope to his fantasy owners, Cliff Kingsbury reported that Kenyon Drake's injury was not as bad as we first thought and that he may return in week 10. Unfortunately for his owners, BPN News can confirm that Drake's talent is also not as good as we first thought. <laughs> and finally, making his first career start on Sunday Night Football, rookie Ben DiNucci struggled mightily against the Philadelphia Eagles, completing only 21 of 40 passes for 180 yards. Or as I like to call it, twice the output of Tua Tagovailoa. <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update. Man, that was harsh. That's harsh. It the Dolphins were really pretty efficient the other day. I think at one point they had 28 points on 56 total offensive yards. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of scary. Uh, it really is. So I think they ended with 58 offensive yards at the end of the game, too. So George Kittle possibly done for the year. 2020, you can F off. Um, Jonathan Taylor in a low jack. 2020, you can F off. Um, yeah, just 2020 really needs to come to an end. Exactly. Well, one thing that is coming to an end are political ads on TV. That will be a glorious relief. I, I, you can't have a break from a football game and not have a five-minute commercial for this party or that party. I mean, it, it's getting to the point where I, I, I'm sick and tired of choosing between things. So, I mean, what better way to put an ending to this than to make some choices of our own. And I'm talking about a fantasy football election. I got you. So first, let me say this. It's no joke. Go vote. Okay? That's for sure. We both support that, right? Go vote. Um, we're recording, cast, cast your votes. We're recording on November 2nd. You'll hear this most likely on November 3rd, so it'll be election day. If you happen to be listening to it, to it during the day and you go, oh, I didn't vote. Go vote. As long as you get in line, they have to count your vote. And all votes should be counted. But I'm with you, Harley. Let's do it. Let's have a special fantasy election episode. And then we'll bring in the um, rest of the show with our DFS stuff. Okay. So, the first lower ballot candidates here. I guess we're going to let you moderate. I won't call you any names or anything like that. Exactly. I, I'm going to throw out each of the candidates. And then we can decide... Either we'll both cast our vote. Uh, you're welcome to comment on the reason for your vote, or you can just say the answer if you, if you feel that way. Okay. The, 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 the first election is for the rookie quarterback of the year. Are we giving the election to Tua Tagovailoa or Joe Burrow? I've got a magic eight ball, but I'm going to save that for later. Okay. Okay, so... Dolphins are still in play in in um, playoff 
um, competition, right? They're still in, they're still in it for a playoff spot. Yes. Then you got to give it to Tua. Okay. Him not being ready leaves Fitzpatrick to start the season to set them up so that they're in, they're in it. They got a chance to make the playoffs. Burrow's not making the playoffs. Oh wait a minute, playoffs? Are we talking about playoffs? Playoffs. Playoffs. But we're talking about fantasy. We're talking fantasy. Yeah. So I just changed my mind. Um, of course, it's Joe Burrow. Okay, so you're going with the obvious choice of Joe Burrow based on his fantasy production. Yes. Well, for this particular election, I'm voting third party for Justin Herbert. You didn't show me that part of the ballot. Exactly. <laughs> I see how this is going to go. Exactly. Um, this no, one, no. That, 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 was, that was the only one. I, I had to start with that one, though. So well, <laughs> and if we were running this as an election, you know what? This could be one of the ones that the third party wins. Exactly. Okay, also in the category of quarterbacks, we're looking at the short-term success of a playoff team in the NFC Central, and that being the Chicago Bears. Is it Mitch Trubisky or is it Nick Foles? I have a question for you. You've heard the old saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Exactly. If you have no quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. So I'm going to abstain. I'm not voting in this election. <laughs> kind of like all the judges on the back of your ballot that no one ever really votes for, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, I, I've decided to put my vote in for Trubisky. At this point, Foles has not been any better than Trubisky. And it, it, I would just rather see someone that has a semblance of ability to move in the pocket. Foles just doesn't have that anymore. And you do if need, he ever did. You do need that with that line, that offensive line. Exactly. So okay. How I'm, okay. Still not voting in oh. that one though, so the third quarterback up for election is quarterback fantasy relevant quarterback number one for the rest of the season. Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson? I think this one's an easy one. This is one of those ones where, look, we hear about the silent Trump voters. I'm going, yes. with, I'm going with the silent chef voters on this one. Russ wins this in a, in a runaway. And I tend to agree with you on this one here, mainly because with the way that the Chiefs have built their offense now with the addition of Le'Veon Bell, they just don't, they're not going to have to throw it as much as they did. Obviously, he still threw for five touchdowns last week. But he didn't have to. They could have ran the ball against the Jets and won that game. So I, I agree with you. I'm going with Russell there, too. So do you want to know what made me make my decision? The what was that? The defenses. Seattle has none, and Kansas City <laughs> does. So I think Russ is, true. Russ is going to have to cook more. So I'll take that. Okay. Uh, for a future quarterback election, this seat will take effect next fall. Lamar Jackson? Or Kyler Murray? Hmm. You know, <sighs> this is one of those where there's no wrong answer, but there's no right answer because both of them will be overdrafted. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to vote for, I'm not casting my ballot. <laughs> I, I'm going to cast my ballot for Kyler Murray. And this is my reasoning why. Lamar Jackson 
doesn't have the weapons that Kyler Murray has. And both teams have to play in divisions where they're going to face two very stout defenses twice a season. So I've kind of thrown that out the window. But both guys can run the ball. Both guys can be very successful running the ball. But ultimately, when it comes down to the weapons around them, Kyler Murray's got the advantage. Plus, playing half his games in the Southwest, he doesn't have to worry about any of the weather conditions that Lamar might have to deal with in Baltimore. I got you. And I guess for me, I'm kind of looking at like their fiscal policy and, and tax policy and foreign policy. And what I see is all of it's weighted too far into that first, second, third round range. So therefore, I don't like either candidate. Exactly. Okay. Uh, we're moving on to the lower ballot running backs now. And this is a three-person a three election, three, three people to vote for here. Future running backs, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, or J.K. Dobbins. Three who basically have underperformed so far this year, to say the least. And Dobbins finally gets his shot, and nobody starts him because he's playing against the Steelers. You know who started him this week? This, this guy right here. So put me in charge of the Dobbins campaign. Exactly. Well, and ultimately, when you look at it, again, we're, we're talking offenses again here. Now, much like I said, there's weapons around Lamar Jackson. Yeah. When you look at the weapons around Cam Akers, there's a lot more pieces there. When you look at the weapons in Detroit, there's not a lot of weapons, but do you really want to trust a running back in Detroit? No, and you may be looking at a new <laughs> coaching staff, right? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. But when you look at Dobbins, you're looking at a team that's planning on jettisoning most of their other potential candidates to run against him next year. The other thing is, it's, okay, like, I believe in normal times, Republicans are known for, you know, the war, being warmongers, right, and stuff like that. And then mm -hmm. Democrats are known for social, social platform stuff, right? Well, guess what? Yes. We know what Baltimore is, right? We know what their what their platform is. They're a running team. I'll take yes. the guy that's going to be the head of that running team and run right with him to the through the polls and a win. There we go. It's a clean sweep for Dobbins at that at that race. Uh, also in the running back categories, we're looking at two players who were drafted typically number 1 and number 2 overall going into this season. Which one is going to be the number one and which one is going to be the number two next season or who's going to be drafted ahead of the other one next season between Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley? Wow. See, this is what happens when you vote early. Um, there's one. I can't give this away. I'm going to say that I will trepidatiously cast my ballot for the guy that didn't really have as significant as an injury and say Christian McCaffrey remains number one next year. Actually, he'll be. He'll I, be I tend to agree. Actually, he's going to be number two next year. Behind Alvin Kamara. Very nice. So once again, we're going third party there with Kamara. I, I think again, though, we're talking about voting a little bit early here. We don't know who the Saints' quarterback is going to be next year, and although he's under contract, I really don't know if we know for certain who Carolina's quarterback is going to be next year. Whether or not they continue to give the ball to Bridgewater. Right. And for the same matter, you could make the argument that we don't know who the Giants quarterback will be next year, although certainly Daniel Jones still being under contract tends to lean to the fact that he would get the chance. Very true. So 
Uh, at running, okay, I guess that's all of the running backs currently up for election. Uh, now we have a couple of swing races in the wide receiver category. Uh, the first one is for the 10th Congressional District out of Seattle. Uh, the choice is between Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. Hmm. You're killing me, Smalls. Had I, I should have saw this coming because now you're going to make me go look up a stat here. Okay, you're going to make me fill some airtime for me there, Mr. Moderator. Well, so when you're looking at these two individuals, you'll you'll see a guy in Tyler Lockett who's certainly got a a, a fast speed to him. He's known to have gone off for huge games, and as we talked about last week, and we saw last week. He's known to completely disappear off the landscape of the election field immediately following those games. But then you've got the younger DK Metcalf, who so far has produced some big lines in terms of scoring touchdowns. He's also made some fabulous tackles, but he doesn't have the point per reception production that we might expect out of a number one wide receiver. So, yeah, I mean... I think the answer is obvious who it is um, for next year, honestly. So I still want to do what I want to do here, though. So over the past two weeks, you know, you've got DK Metcalf with 14 catches, 184, 184 yards, I believe it is, and two touchdowns. And Tyler Lockett, 15 catches. I'm sorry, 19 catches for 233 yards and three touchdowns. So, as you can see, Tyler is head and shoulders above Mr. Metcalf over the last two weeks. Um, but, yeah, they've both been very inconsistent from week to week. But Mr. Metcalf is a top-five wide receiver going forward because, you know what, if there was a wide receiver I was going to buy in fantasy right now and I was going to pay whatever it took to get him, it'd be DK Metcalf. And that's because Russell Wilson has another 10 years at least in front of him. Well, we've just received word that – we don't have to worry about this particular decision because the state of Washington has decided to redistrict themselves, splitting this into two separate districts where both Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf will have congressional seats in next year's uh, fantasy season. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, uh, looking from a personal standpoint here in Minnesota, last offseason we let Stefan Diggs leave. Uh, via trade to the Buffalo Bills. Part of the return of that trade was the pick that the Vikings used on young LSU wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Which of these two receivers is going to be the re best receiver both going forward this season and next season? Um, you still have to give me digs. I think that he's performed well with a Josh Allen that's still improving and is not a great, um, accurate quarterback, but he's definitely improving where you don't know what you're getting from Kirk week to week. And Kirk's life is very short in Minnesota as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, give me the known in Stefan Diggs. I would tend to agree with you. My only knock on Diggs right now is that we really have seen a little bit of inconsistency from Josh Allen of late. And when you've got a guy like Josh Allen, he also likes to run the ball in a lot, which could conceivably – lead to fewer touchdowns down the line for Stephon Diggs. Now, also, you have to look at the fact that in a traditional season, Stephon Diggs will face the Miami and New England cornerbacks four times. That is a scary proposition there, too. 
So I am leaning slightly the younger by younger guy Jefferson, knowing that even if the Vikings keep Kirk Cousins as their quarterback, he's capable enough to produce numbers to keep Jefferson viable. And I'm hoping and praying, of course, that the team can get a better quarterback who will be part of the growth of Jefferson going forward. I believe that you would most people would sum up Kirk Cousins as fake news. But go ahead. Exactly. Uh, last wide receiver race up for uh, contention. Uh, coming out of the competitive state of North Carolina, we're looking at, or is it Southern Carolina? I can never remember what's, what city, state the Carolina Panthers play out of. But it's Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore. They play in the great state of North Carolina. Um, Go Tar Heels. Wow. So as somebody that was buying Robbie Anderson last year, um, was kind of upset when I saw him traded to Carolina. That's shocking, right? Why would I want somebody to stay on the Jets? And it was because of DJ Moore. I knew he was going to go down there and have to be second fiddle. He has seriously outperformed my expectations um, in that offense this year. And I think that the right answer is Robbie Anderson because you'll be able to get him at a discount compared to DJ Moore, who I still think people will draft at least a round or two higher than Robbie. Well, I think both of these receivers are hoping and praying that the governor, Teddy Bridgewater, is replaced there this season in the election so that there's a better option to throw them both the ball next year. I think that maybe the term recall might be worthy. That's certainly worthy. Uh, when, when your governor cannot approach that role of, say, Kyle Allen and throw multiple touchdowns a game each week, then I think that there's a good chance that he might end up being recalled as Carolina's quarterback. Okay. Next. The last race up for election this season comes in the tight end realm, where when we have primaries, we have primary season. One of the big states in primary season is Iowa. So, of course, last year uh, we had a couple of uh, tight ends come out of that area, and that being Noah Font and TJ Hawkinson. Who is going to win the primary out of Iowa and go forward as the best tight end? So... I think that Hawkinson is the runaway winner in this by name. But I will tell you that I do believe that next year we could see Mr. Font unseat him in a special election. I like the idea of the special election there. I also like the fact, and I don't like this fact, as a Kansas State Chiefs fan, I don't like the fact that Drew Locke actually looks capable. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and that's, the, that's part of the reason why I say unseat, give them another year, and then what's going to happen to Matthew Stafford, right? Is Detroit going to just blow it all up again? Are they going to fire their coach? Are they going to go a whole new different direction? If so, is Hawkinson in those plans? Is he who you build around? Or is there you know, a learning curve with the new quarterback? And it, it just can only get ugly in Detroit. Exactly. That is our 2020 election. I guess you'd call this a midterm election, seeing as how we're kind of midway through the season. Yeah, there you go. Um, yes, this is our special election coverage. Um, we will not be going as long or as in-depth as the major studios will be tomorrow, um, or I should say today when this is finally released, because again, remember, we are recording on Monday night. So with that, we're going to wrap things up, tell you to go vote. Um, I voted. I requested my absentee ballot. 
Did not trust the mail, so I went and dropped mine off at the registrar. It took me all of two minutes to walk up and drop it in a box. Um, so I'm happy that I got my vote out of the way. How about you? Do you vote yet? Yes, I, I went in in person a couple days ago, and I waited about three minutes, got in, got out, got taken care of. It was a very easy process, and, and certainly something that is very civically important that all of our listeners, as well as everyone in the country, does go do. Now, I know in previous elections, uh, when you look at the final numbers, roughly 40% of the population doesn't vote at all. Yep. That means in, in a standard election, 30% of the population might vote for one major party candidate and 30% might vote for the other major party candidate. That still leaves 40% of our population, of our eligible voting population, that are not taking part in this civic duty. So please go out there. Get that number lower. I know Minnesota has historically been the highest state in terms of uh, number of, or uh, sorry, percentage of its population to vote actually voting. And I hope to get that award again this year. But that goes for everyone, not just the folks here in Minnesota. Yeah, and do your civic duty. Get your votes in. Yeah. So it, look, if anybody follows me on Twitter, there's probably no question that they know who I voted for, who I support, right? But the other day, I put out a tweet that said something about vote. Just go vote, right? Basically, I'll just, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I said, go vote. And somebody um, called me out on it and called me hypocritical. Yeah, you mean vote for your candidate? And I'm like, no. While yes, I want my candidate to get more votes. No, go vote. Just go vote. Everybody should vote. And I'm sorry, I actually think that if there was ever a federal holiday, election day should be it. Exactly. So a huge shout out to all the businesses out there who do allow their employees to or that have already scheduled their employees off for tomorrow or close their operations for tomorrow so people can go vote yep. if they haven't yet before. I uh, just found out today that two of my favorite cocktail rooms from down in Kansas City have uh, offered their employees the entire day off tomorrow to go and vote. Now, personally, if I had the opportunity, uh, I may want to go and have a cocktail there. But I won't be able to, obviously, because I'm up here in Minnesota right now. But if I was, I may want to go there and, and drink away my sorrows or celebrate my elation based on what happens. So, <laughs> yep. So just go vote. And I'll tell you what, we're going to have a vote right now, too. A special one. A special, special runoff election. How's that? Ooh, what's the vote going to be? It's for our DFS segment. What am I voting for, over or under? Set the line, Mr. Harley Schultz. The line today is five. Well, we've seen record turnout at the polls before we even hit election day. We're going to see record matching going on in this segment. I'm taking the over. Wow. Uh, we have a lot of absentee ballots coming in still. We'll count them when we need to. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Who, who are we paying up for at quarterback then? So for me, I thought, you know, we don't talk about this ahead of time. The one thing that you made mention of before we started was you thought that it was a, it looked like a tough slate. And I was shocked because yes. I thought it looked pretty – I thought everything just kind of like came into focus like the Matrix for me. So my pay up is the – let's see, one, two, three, the fourth highest – um, priced quarterback. It's He's on the road, which is not something I'm always a, fa a fan of, but this year with no crowds hardly, um, that doesn't seem to play as much. It's Deshaun Watson against a Jaguar defense that has been more than fantasy-friendly to the quarterback position. 
Well, we are in agreement on our first pick of the week, and that's the pay-to-play being Deshaun Watson at Jacksonville. 7,100 on DraftKings, a little high at 8,300 on FanDuel, but FanDuel is always a little bit higher up. Uh, Watson threw for 359 yards and three touchdowns against his defense just uh, four weeks ago. And this is one, that was one of four times this season where Jacksonville has allowed three or more total touchdowns to opposing quarterbacks. I think Watson's safe for another three touchdowns this week, another 300 yards. This will actually be his fifth straight game where he'll top 300 yards. And the only thing I'm concerned about is if Houston unloads all their wide receivers in trades tomorrow. That is, yes, that is actually a concern. It really is. Um, but who knows? Maybe they'll trade for a good pass catching running back that's past his prime. Who knows? Um, who are we staying away from this week? This is one I don't think we're going to match on. I'm staying away from Kansas City's own Patrick Mahomes versus Carolina. His price tag is 8100 on DraftKings, 9300 on FanDuel. Now, here's my reasoning here. There are several ceiling players among the high-dollar quarterbacks this week. Uh, Russell at Buffalo, Kyler at Miami, Lamar at Indianapolis. Personally, I'm fading all of them at their prices because there are some super great plays just like four or $500 cheaper this week, like ridiculously good plays in that sector. So I'm fading the highest-priced guy too, including it's Pat Mahomes. Uh, Carolina is so bad against the run, much like the Jets. They shouldn't have to throw the ball here. Now, it's Mahomes, so he probably still will. But you can get Mahomes' stats this week from a guy like Matthew Stafford or Ben Roethlisberger or Justin Herbert for a lot less. I mean, not a lot less, but about a 1,000 less, and that's going to help you at the other positions. Yeah. So we don't match there, but I absolutely looked at Pat Mahomes, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that he's the highest priced, and I don't see that much upside in it, right? He could play two-and-a-half exactly. quarters type thing. So the guy I'm, I'm saying to stay away from, I'm not going to be shocked if he has a bounce-back game. But he did not have a very good game this past week. He seems to have struggled a little bit. Ball control was concerning. Even made some decisions running that I, I, I questioned where and when and how he went. But look, Lamar Jackson's a fantastic athlete and quarterback. But he's coming off a really tough matchup against the Steelers to one that might be even as bad, if not worse, against the Colts. I mean, the only team that's given up fewer points to the quarterback position than the Colts are the Bears. So price-wise, I almost didn't count him as a stay-away because he's a lot cheaper than normal. Um, but that's why I picked him over top of Pat Mahomes. I just think he's risky this week, especially I told on the road. I totally agree. Again, those are the three guys I mentioned outside of Mahomes. Uh, Wilson at Buffalo. Uh, not a great matchup for him. Kyler versus Miami, and their and their pair of incredibly talented Pro Bowl level cornerbacks, and Lamar facing an Indianapolis Colts team. That I, I agree. I think they're actually probably the best overall defense in the league. Yeah. And Jackson's. I mean, again, for the price, <clears throat> I'd rather have Justin Herbert or Matt Stafford. Okay, so I'm going to give you who our match is going to be right here <laughs> at the value play. Um, I okay. actually I was shocked to find this guy so low and so cheap. He's the same price as Andy Dalton, who's not playing this week. At least I don't think he is. Um, Drew Locke gets one of the absolute best matchups you could ask for in a week. He's not facing the Seahawks. He's facing the Falcons. Um, So, yeah, and he's at home. 
I'm sorry, he is on the road. It's, so it's going to be in a dome. We don't have to worry about weather or anything like that. Um, give me Drew Lockett, $5,200. You will get four times, maybe five times value from Drew Lock this week. We've got a match there as well. Uh, although I will say this. I originally had Kyle Ellen listed in at home versus the Giants. And then I traded, <laughs> I, I traded to Drew Locke at Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta has allowed the most total yards, the most total touchdowns to opposing quarterbacks. They, this includes five games where they have allowed four or more touchdowns to the position. Drew Locke is getting his weapons back healthy. Got KJ Hamler back now. Judy is back now. Patrick may come back for this game. You got Philip Lindsay back. Starting to get the players around him healthy. That's a good sign. He took advantage in a comeback against an equally stuck, struggling defensive backfield last week in, in the Chargers. Now, I will say this. Drew Locke is a value play on DraftKings at 5,200. He's 7,200 on FanDuel. That's the largest differential of any other quarterback between the two sites. So, I would avoid him on FanDuel if you're looking for that value there. Then go with Kyle Allen, who is 6,800. Yeah, I might even go with Derek Carr at that point on that site. Exactly. At 7,000. So, all right. So that's two out of three. That's not bad. Um, you know, I don't like to chase points. I really don't. But if somebody is just absolutely balling and you expect them to continue to ball and they've got a matchup that allows them to have – the ability to continue balling, then it's not chasing points. So the fact is, there's no way I'm not finding room for Dalvin Cook in my lineup against that Lions team that ranks fifth in points allowed to fantasy running backs. Well, I think we've got some election tampering going on here because that was pretty much all the salient points I had listed for why <laughs> I am also paying up for Dalvin Cook. Uh, again, not one to chase points. Dalvin Cook just absolutely demolished the absolute worst run defense in the league. Now he gets to face the defense that's allowed the second fantasy points to opposing running backs this week. Uh, Minnesota committed to the run last week, despite the fact they fell behind. So even if by chance Detroit gets an early lead, which we know they will, uh, <laughs> it's going to happen that they're going to lose that lead at some point because Minnesota is going to keep running the ball with Delvin and Delvin's going to be producing more and more yards against them too. So at, at what, what you really want to know here is Detroit is bad against the run. They're horrendous against pass-catching backs. And Delvin Cook is used in the passing game a lot by Minnesota. So if, if he continues to get that usage again, on DraftKings, it's a full point. FanDuel, it's half a point PPR. Oh, you got to love that. Uh, you're running back. Yep, you do. So in my stay away, I feel kind of cheap with this. So I'll give a little more reasoning than just he's coming off injury. Um, there's no way I'm paying for Christian McCaffrey to be in my lineups this week. Uh, I thought about that too. I did discard him because of the fact we, well, A, we technically don't know for certain that he's going to play. He's going to play. I, I agree. He's going to play. I hope so because I've got him in a lot of places. I need him to play. But <clears throat> again, how dare they not give you some sort of like injury price reduction for McCaffrey for one week or two, at least there. They, they didn't. So, I, I just kind of skipped over him as sort of like a uh, no-brainer. I'm going to stay away from a guy that I suggested paying up for last week, and that's Derrick Henry. This week, uh, he's facing Chicago. Yep. He's the third highest priced on uh, DraftKings, and he is the 
Third highest priced on FanDuel, also at 7,900 and 8,900. Uh, he's been a beast against bad run defenses this year. But you know what? He's been touchdown safe all season, even against good defenses. So what you got to worry about here is he's probably going to score against Chicago. That's going to probably happen. But his yardage just won't be that good. So you need him to score two, possibly three times to make up for the fact that his yardage isn't there. Yep. Especially when you look at the guys around him price-wise, like Cook, James Robinson, James Conner, all have great matchups at about the same price point. Yeah. So I didn't add this, and I want to. With CMC, the other reason that I'm saying that I don't want to play him, not just because he's coming back from the injury, but we truly don't know how they're going to continue to use Mike Davis at least for a week or two. Right? Exactly. We, just, we don't know if McCaffrey is truly a system running back yet or not. Well, I, I don't know that he's a system running back, but <laughs> you know what? A system that favors the running back is always a good thing. But we don't know, you know, there's a there's there's a thing to getting your sea legs back under you. Um, and then when you have, like, look, if Mike Davis was, you know, sucking hind tit, as I like to say, while he's been in there subbing, and, and his production has been waning some, then you might go, okay, yeah, they've got to bring McCaffrey back and they've got to feed him, right? I just, I can't feel comfortable that that's what we're going to get. So if that's what I can't feel comfortable with, there's no way I'm paying his normal everyday price. And I will add this too: the fact that McCaffrey is back now, and the fact that he does draw water in terms of touchdowns and touchdown receptions. And as I've said over and over again about the fact that Bridgewater only throws one touchdown pass a week, you better not be expecting to get a touchdown from Anderson or from Moore this week in the receiving game. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> All right. Who's your value play? Uh, this value play of mine, I, I don't think we're going to match on. I'm going to go with Justin Jackson versus the Raiders. Uh, Jackson won back the lead job this past Sunday with some very strong play. And Vegas actually played better against running backs of late. But dual threat backs, guys that can both run the ball on the ground and catch passes, have given them grief all season long. They, they gave some huge games early in the season to well-known dual threat backs. And that, that's kind of Justin Jackson's role. He's not going to be taken out on passing downs. Joshua Kelly is an adept pass catcher as well, but Jackson has been very solid in the passing game for that team. Okay. So I've got to go with him. Okay. So I know our listeners can't see this, but you can see me when I hold my sheet up to the camera. Do you see what that says? Uh, yes, I can see that. Yes. And what does that say? We, it says Josh Jackson. Justin Jackson. No, Justin Jackson. <laughs> Justin Jackson. Yeah, my, my handwriting, it does look like Josh, honestly. But no, it's Justin Jackson. So, yes, we do have a match. And, and what, I would like to add, though, for this, the, the value play running back this week, that was where it was really hard for me. There was, wasn't a lot that I really looked at and said, geez, I really like this play at this price point. Right. So, for what it's worth, I, now, there was one other guy I gave consideration to, and he's got the same price tag. Um but he has a really hard matchup on paper. But so did, he did so this week also. But he looks so dang good. And that's J.K. Dobbins. I really, really almost moved to Dobbins. Um, but I just felt that, you know what, there's still risk. It's such a tough matchup. Uh, but he looked, man, he looked good against Pittsburgh this week. He really did. And as a multiple times over Dobbins dynasty owner, I, I, I can only hope that this team wises up to the fact that he's the best running back there and just lets him do his thing. Okay, go ahead and start us off with our wide receivers so we can match on two or three of these positions, of these calls. 
<clears throat> this could be difficult here. Uh, my pay to play at wide receiver this week is Stefan Diggs versus Seattle. 7,400 on drafting, 7,600 on FanDuel. I always love when a player's FanDuel price is less than or almost even to a DraftKings price. Now, you're showing me the sheet that says Diggs right there. I can see the name <laughs> pointing at me. Yes, I, <laughs> yes, I was. Well, so after holding Brandon Ayak to a measly eight catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown on Sunday night, uh, the Seattle defense has actually improved. Now they're only allowing nine catches and 115 yards per game to opposing wide receiver ones. Yeah. Uh, I score was the fourth that they've allowed to opponent's top wide receiver. And no wide receiver one has had fewer than eight catches or 80 yards against them this year. Meanwhile, Diggs has scored in top 80 yards and or top 80 yards in all but one game. Uh, 880 is the floor for Diggs this week. We're probably looking at about a 12-120 and at least one game out of him this week against the Seattle team that – they just don't even bother to try to cover top receivers to the opposing team. Nope, I'm with you 100%. I would not be shocked to see a 12, 150, and 2. <laughs> are we going to have a match at this other one too? Is this going to hit the over right now? I think we are going to hit the over right now. Um, DK Metcalf, sorry, don't want any parts of him in Buffalo. Uh, we didn't. Oh, come uh, on. <laughs> you got to no, be I, kidding I, me. <laughs> it's his I, off I week. Well, actually, uh, it, it is and it isn't. I, I, I'm not going to pay the DK Metcalf uh, bonus price this week. That's for certain. That's the guy exactly I'm staying away from is a little bit higher price, and that's DeAndre Hopkins this week versus Miami. Stephon Diggs, who we just mentioned, is the only wide receiver one to post a decent day against Miami this season. And you can pick your poison. Hopkins can line up opposite Xavier Howard, or he can not line up opposite Byron Jones. One of the two is going to shadow Hopkins, and neither is someone that you really want to throw the ball in the direction of. So it's a Christian Kirk game, possibly an Andy Isabella game if Murray does much of anything here. I certainly don't want to count on DeAndre Hopkins here, at least so, not the top price. So I don't think that's a bad call. I don't love the, the Hopkins matchup. But Miami is more middle of the pack from a fantasy. They're on the bottom half, but closer to middle of the pack in fantasy points allowed the wide receivers, where Buffalo is bottom seven. From from a stand up from a matchup standpoint, and we have seen the inconsistency. So, I if I was going to take a shot on the Seattle wide receivers, I'd go with Tyler Lockett at a better price than I would DK Metcalf. So, nope, we didn't. So here's the thing: Tyler Lockett gets a price reduction after one bad week, but CJ, uh, but Christian McCaffrey still comes back as the highest price running back. Of course, of course. All right, (laughs) who is your value play? I had a little struggle here. I did too, a little bit. Uh, I went with the lowest priced player on my radar for this week. And that is a guy who hasn't even suited up the last three weeks. He's been a healthy scratch the last three weeks. That's Quintez Cephas at Minnesota. (laughs) You can't go wrong when you're targeting the Minnesota defense from a pass catcher standpoint. We don't match, but I get it. Earlier this year when Kenny Galladay was out the first two weeks, Cephas had 13 targets in his absence. Now, as I just mentioned, Cephas has been out the last three weeks as a healthy scratch. Now, last week, Galladay got hurt early, and the beneficiaries were Marvin Jones and Marvin Hall. But here's the key. Marvin Jones and Marvin Hall were active. Cephas wasn't, which raises the question, would Cephas have been the beneficiary had he been active? Now, I mean, Hall had a lot of targets last week, but coming into the season— I'm sorry, coming into the game last week, Hall had eight targets on the season. He got seven targets this past week. 
that doesn't look sustainable. Cephas has the possibility of stepping in and being the guy to be there. Now, Minnesota's secondary, it's already thin. We knew it was thin coming into the game last week. They were The three top cornerbacks were questionable on Friday of last week going into the game. One of them played. He got hurt. He's doubtful for this week. They had another cornerback that they had signed off the street, basically. He punctured a lung. He is not playing this week either. Uh, their defense may be getting back uh, Holton Hill this week, so they might get a slight bump there. But they're also talking about trading one, if not both, of their starting safeties. Uh, Anthony Harris or Harrison Smith possibly being dealt uh, at tomorrow's trade deadline. It's just not going to be pretty. I mean, you can start anybody uh, in this Detroit passing game, including Marvin Hall, potentially. Definitely Marvin Jones. Danny Amendola becomes a sneaky play, too, if we trade the safeties. But Quintez Cephas was the guy when Galladay was out earlier this year, and I expect him to be the guy this week. So I did look at Marvin Hall. I did look at Danny Amendola because of that matchup. Um, I actually even looked at um, K.J. Hamler this week because of his matchup. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I, I may feel a little remiss that I didn't go that way, quite honestly. I went with a guy who doesn't have a quarterback, um, based on what we said earlier. He's priced a little higher, but he's not that high. He's $4,000. Um, but he just had double-digit targets, and he didn't score a touchdown. And I think that he might get overlooked a little bit. But that's Anthony Miller. And the Titans, the only teams that have given up more points, more fantasy points to the wide receiver position, are the Vikings, Browns, and Seahawks. Yes. Now, as we mentioned in the news, the Titans did trade for Desmond King, but under COVID protocols, it's my understanding he will not be able to play this week. He has to wait a week before he can play. Correct. So they don't get that bonus this week. Anthony Miller has done jack squat all season until last week. Uh, They finally decided to target him, uh, despite the fact that Ellen Robinson cleared the concussion protocol and actually was out there on the field. So I was a little bit surprised by that. I, I did have a lot of access to Darnell Mooney uh, from a daily fantasy standpoint last week as a sleeper, and he actually did perform pretty well. But I agree. I mean, Anthony Miller showed last year that he was arguably capable of being a wide receiver one. He was kind of in that same boat with Michael Gallup coming into the season as guys that you expected to take that next step and break break out. Yep. And instead of breaking out, they both kind of basically turn into pumpkins. And now maybe they're going to get that second chance. So, And they're both priced 4000 on DraftKings this week. Yep. So now I'm a little worried. I'm, I really thought we were going to nail the DK and everything would be gravy after that from a match standpoint. I thought we had a chance at matching CMC. Um, okay. So we got to get one out of these tight ends. And, man, it's a mess at tight ends. It really is. It really is a mess. <laughs> So, who are you going to pay up for at tight end? So, I, I weighed the pros and cons of all of the high-priced tight ends. Yep. I settled on the fifth-highest-priced one, and that's Noah Font at Atlanta. Uh, 4600 on DraftKings is, is not really paying up a whole lot, but 5800 on FanDuel is, is certainly high enough. And again, he is the fifth-highest on DraftKings. Atlanta has allowed the most total touchdowns, the most total receptions, and the second most receiving yards to opposing tight ends. Uh, Carolina, in two different games, and Minnesota are the only offenses to not score a tight end touchdown against this defense. But in the Minnesota game, Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph combined for seven catches and 102 yards against them. So realistically, the two meetings with Carolina 
were the only games Atlanta has done anything on defense against the position. Uh, Fant is averaging five catches, 51 yards on seven targets per game for the games he's active. Uh, obviously, you have to worry a little bit about Albert and him catching the ball in the red zone. But Fant is still a very talented tight end, and he's high enough price that I'm taking him as my pay-to-play. So I'm going to try and show you my book again because I wrote two names down. Can you see that? I wrote uh, This one I can't. Okay. So I wrote it, a it's name. It's blocked by my, my figures here. I wrote a name, and then I crossed it out, and then I wrote another name, and then I crossed it out, and then I circled the first name. So the first name I wrote down was I Noah. see an F. Yes. I wrote down <laughs> Noah Fant, okay? Yes. And then I went, oh, my, he's only $4,600. How's that paying <laughs> up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then I went, well, I guess we can say it's relative to the position. So I was like, well, no, I get – Waller's 5,800. At least that's paying up, right? I, I'll do that. Yep. I'll, I'll go to Waller. And then I just, I was sitting there. I'm, look, I'm like, no, I can't do it. I got to say it's Fant. <laughs> so <laughs> you may not like that I, I crossed him out and crossed the other guy that went back and circled him. But no, no, I, I saw the circle. I, I see the F in the circle there. <laughs> so we, we do have a match there. Um, and I, I kind of did the same thing at my stay away. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. The first name I wrote down was Mark Andrews. Hate his matchup this week. I also hate Lamar Jackson's matchup this week, so I was kind of doing a hate stack, right? (laughs) But then I wrote down another name, and I didn't cross either of them out as I'm staring at them, and I I circled the second name. And I circled him because I don't like the matchup, but at his price, I'm staying away from his price, and that's Travis Kelsey. Um, I would tend to agree. I did go with Mark Andrews at Indianapolis. <clears throat> here's here's the rub. Andrews is only two hundred dollars more expensive than Fant on Fanduel. I'm, yes. I'm sorry, on Fanduel on DraftKings. <laughs> yes. Uh, Indianapolis. They've allowed the fifth fewest receptions to the tight end position, the fewest yards overall, and zero touchdowns to the position. In fact, if you take out the eight catches for 88 yards they gave up to the combination of TJ Hawkinson and Jesse James this past Sunday, the Colts are allowing three catches and 22 yards per game to the position. Now, Andrews is always a threat to score, but he has been really silent the last couple games as Jackson struggled against tough defenses. Yep. So I'm willing to bet you a million dollars we do not match on the value play. Uh, it could be interesting. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm going to let you announce yours, but I'm going to show you mine before you announce yours. You ready? <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, we do not match, and I agree with your value play uh, suggestion there. Uh, I'm going to choose for my value play the same player I chose as my value play last week, whose price tag has actually gone down $200 in one week. That's Janu Smith versus Chicago. He's at $3,900 on DraftKings. $3,900. Yep. That's, that's just ridiculous. Now, yes, he has been quiet of late, but this looks like a good chance to him to return to prominence here. Five of the eight tight end ones to face Chicago have scored against them. In the other three games, they had a dud performance against Carolina. Again, apparently Carolina, they're, they don't throw their tight ends in good matchups. And the other two games were Evan Ingram, who posted six catches and 65 yards against them, and Tampa Bay, where Gronk and 
Cameron Brake combined for eight catches and 96 yards against them. So what we've actually learned, I guess, is don't ever start a Carolina tight end in the game that they should blow up in. <laughs> yeah, so my value play is no offense. So I knew when I said <laughs> that we had to get at least one to hit the over, in a sense, I knew I only had two shots, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess in a sense, I also kind of hedged it. Why is Fant my pay up, but he's also my value play? Because, because he's only 4,600 on draft. Day. Yes. I mean, that is what it comes down to. I'm paying up for him because he's number four at the position, but I'm saying he's a value because there's. I just don't see how you don't get at least three and a half times value from him this week. The, the only way you don't is if, for some reason, gets like three touchdowns. Right. <laughs> yes. So, And I, I'm not going to try to spell that. So on election, on our special election episode, we hit the over. Exactly. And we hopefully will see the election poll numbers hit the over too. Yes, I think that's a given. We do. I should have led up to saying polling shows that we're going to be over this week and then say it looks like the polls were right. So, um, With 99.9% of the results in, we have hit the over. Yes, we have. Well, with that said, um, you know how else you hit the over? You hit the over by following Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. You can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. Of course, if you have not subscribed to the huddle.com, do so and do it like you're voting. Life depends on it, I guess. That's pretty bad. Anyway, um, but yeah, do that. You know what? Go get in line to go vote if you haven't voted. And while you're in line voting, sign up for the huddle and check out all the articles while you're standing there waiting to vote. Hey, listen to the podcast. And listen to the podcast. That's right. Um, which you'll, at this point, already be listening to it if you hear this. Anyway, That's true. with that said, again, go vote. No matter who you're voting for, we, just, we need to vote. It's our civic duty. And... Let the chips fall where they may, hopefully for my candidate that I'm supporting. Um, But with that said, look, as always, get blitz responsibly. Vote responsibly. Vote responsibly. There you go. As we like to say, vote responsibly. Cheers. Cheers.